Good morning. Welcome to this recording where we open the Bible and do our best to concentrate on what God has said that we so need today. And there is one passage identifying our conviction that we're going to take a look at as we begin our study together today. Matthew 16, 13 through 18. You're familiar with it. Matthew 16, 13 through 18. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The question that is the subject of this narrative is a critical question yet today and will always be, who is Jesus Christ? It is important now. It will always be important. Who is Jesus Christ? Among some secular humanists of our day, there is the claim that he is a myth, that he had no historical real existence. Religious progressives and modernists will represent Jesus as an early champion of their social causes and agenda. Muslims deny the deity of Christ and claim he was not crucified. In Michael Brown's Da Vinci Code, Jesus is portrayed as a disillusioned cult celebrity. From time to time, groups of scholars get together and they rely on sources outside the Bible, and they paint a different portrait of Jesus, not like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and often contradicting those accounts. Years ago, there was a TV presentation of CNN, Finding Jesus, Faith, Fact, and Forgery. It may not surprise you, there was more forgery than fact and faith. The History Channel has their version the National Geographic has their version, ABC as well. The media, it seems, at least twice a year, finds an opportunity to cloud the identity of Jesus Christ. So there will always be this critical question Jesus brought up in the district of Caesarea Philippi, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And if we turn to the popular media for the answer, well, the answer will change almost every year as the culture changes. I believe today in our time, perhaps with even greater emphasis than 20 years ago, the question needs renewed interest and emphasis. Who is Jesus Christ? And would you let me use an approach to this that may be easy to follow and remember? What I want to do is borrow a familiar line from literature 
sometimes used in science fiction and novels, a catchphrase. Take me to your leader. We, of all people, should be willing to tell the truth about who Jesus Christ is. He is our leader. Our evangelistic efforts might well be described as taking people to our leader. One man put it this way, Ben Witherington. We live in a Jesus-haunted culture that is biblically illiterate. In this sort of environment, almost any wild theory about Jesus or his earliest followers can pass for knowledge with some audiences because so few people actually know the primary sources, the relevant text, or the historical context with which we should be concerned. People are not reading the Bible to find out who Jesus is. We are often in situations where we can respond We can take people to our leader, but these people we want to reach have often never come in contact with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We should, with courage of conviction, speak up and wisely use opportunities. Peter said, be ready always to give an answer. So let's consider now, the case can be made when we take people to our leader. First, We can show people from the Bible that Jesus is the only leader who had no beginning in time or space. I want you to think about this assertion I've just made, but I don't want you to take my word for it. Rather, listen carefully to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. This is, when people first read it, a stunning declaration of who Jesus Christ is. And let me say, after making this declaration, John goes on to prove it to be so. Everything after John chapter 1 proves what is asserted in John chapter 1. Here's what I'm talking about. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. To that, let me add Colossians 1. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, all things were created by him and for him. Colossians 1, 15 through 17. This is the truth about our leader, who is the only leader who had no beginning in time or space. Buddha, look it up, and it will say 560 to 480 BC. Mohammed, look it up, it will say 570 to 632. Confucius, look that up, 551 to 479. Name any other world religious leader. Small or great, they had a beginning and an end. Jesus is superior. Jesus himself, when questioned about his origin, replied before Abraham was born, I am, John 8:58. We need to use the Bible, take people to our leader. 
Jesus already existed as deity in heaven prior to the creation and prior to his earthly birth. John and Paul want us to think of Jesus in terms of a dateless, timeless past in eternity as deity. That claim cannot be made and sustained by those who follow other leaders. We need the real Jesus Christ, whose story is told in an ancient but highly credible book. He is not a figure who was invented by men of empty speculation. We cannot squeeze him into our philosophical patterns, our cultural correctness, our dreams of who we would like for him to be. Christ, watered down, stripped of power, debased of glory, reduced to a symbol, is not the Christ of the Bible. Jesus' past is timeless in eternity as deity. No person or religious leader compares to him. Second, Jesus is the only leader, the only one who came into the world in the manner he came. I'm opening to the book of Matthew now in chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, one of the first pages in the New Testament. Matthew was taking his readers to his leader, his Savior. And he wrote these words in Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Though Jesus pre-existed eternally as deity before the foundation of the world, before his earthly birth, the Bible indicates that he entered this world in a very unique way that has never been claimed or established for any other. He was born into the world physically as a result of a virgin birth. The Gospel of Luke records that Mary herself was informed by the angel Gabriel that she would become pregnant and give birth to a son. That's in Luke 2, 26-33. Luke says her response was, How will this be since I am a virgin? Luke 1.34, the angel explained, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be called the Son of God, for nothing is impossible with God. In contrast to all the others in Jesus' family, Paul Earnhardt argued, in contrast to all the others in Jesus' family line, about whom it was said that his father begot him, of Jesus it is said that he was born of Mary. Matthew 1.16 And to this Brother Earnhardt added, And there is no more powerful testimony 
than the silence of Mary during Jesus' trial. How could she have known he was illegitimately born and yet not tell the truth at his trial and save him? It is the virgin birth that tells us that he is both God and man. And his journey was from heaven to the earth and that he himself chose the way he took. If people want to compare Jesus with other religious leaders, let them undertake the study. None was conceived miraculously and born to a virgin. Even the great Hebrew leader Moses had an earthly father. Then, outside the biblical volume, Mohammed, founder of Islam, was born of a man and a woman and made no claims of deity. Jesus stands alone and is superior, and one of our assignments as his followers is to take people to our leader. Jesus Christ is the only major world religious leader who lived a perfect, sinless life. I ask you again to not take my word for this. We should go to the source. Paul said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. The Roman governor Pilate admitted, according to John 19, 6, as for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The writer of Hebrews stated, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. This can be said of no other. Moses, the leader of the Jews in the Old Testament, taught valuable lessons from God to the people, but he was not perfectly sinless. The apostle Paul was clear that he was a sinner who even sought to kill Christians before his conversion. Peter, we know, had his issues outside the Bible. Buddha, Mohammed were men who made mistakes and their followers do not claim they were sinless or perfect. Jesus was without sin, lived a perfect life. It is a responsibility we should take on with joy to proclaim to the world that our leader is the sinless Son of God. No person in history has provoked as much study, criticism, prejudice, or devotion as Jesus of Nazareth, the sinless Lamb of God. Jesus died as an atoning sacrifice for the sins of humanity. No other religious leader died that kind of death, the kind of death Jesus died. I'm going to ask you to listen to 1 Peter 2, beginning at verse 21. 1 Peter 2, starting at verse 21. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return, when he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him 
who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. It is important to take notice that Muslims believe Jesus was not crucified. Muhammad taught that to receive forgiveness of sins, one needs to ask for it sincerely. And if Allah, the Islamic God, wills, you can never be certain of that. He may grant it, or he may not grant it. Could you live that way? The Bible teaches, however, the Bible teaches that the only way sins may be forgiven is based on the atoning death of Christ with the reception of that forgiveness through the activity of faith, there is assurance. This is just not in the other books and religions that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But then there's more. Jesus was raised from the dead. Ever wonder what would rank as the most important event in all of world history? Would it be the invention of the wheel, the rise of the Roman Empire, World War II, the fall of communism, or the advent of the digital age? The Bible indicates the best attested historical event is that Jesus was buried, but then he came forth from the tomb. I'm reading 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 8. Now, I would remind you, brothers, this is Paul to the Corinthians, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you, which you receive, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time. Most of them are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also. To me, Paul wrote to the Corinthians. The uniqueness of Christianity is contained in this truth. Here is the complete record. Confucius' tomb, occupied. Buddha's tomb, occupied. Mohammed's tomb, occupied. Jesus' tomb, empty. The portrait of the historical Jesus has been altered to suit the fancies of men who want to line Jesus up on their side, to make him an ally to their causes. In the theologian's laboratory, Jesus is treated like a lump of clay, and men mold him to suit their agenda. Nineteenth-century liberals found him to be a liberal. 
Marxists thought they discovered a political revolutionary. Pragmatists found him to be pragmatic. Few have been willing to search beyond the human viewpoints and mask to see him as the only begotten Son of God who died for our sins and was raised from the dead. And the blessed impact of that on us is described by Paul when he said, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. The better we know the Lord, the more we will love him and the better equipped we are to defend him and give reasons for the hope within us and live out our lives under his authority. Here's what I want to stress as I conclude this recording. Christianity, the way to God is revealed in the New Testament, does not stand or fall by how many people can be counted. It doesn't stand or fall based on money collected, attention given, or public praise offered. Christianity doesn't stand or fall based on just the high moral instruction. Christianity stands or falls on the person and work of Jesus Christ. Either he is who he claimed to be, or he is not. Read your Bible and decide, and either I am following him, or I am not following him. And may I ask, in conclusion, at the end of the world, who do you believe will come again? Will it be Confucius, Buddha, Mohammed? It will be Jesus Christ. See, the Bible takes us to our leader, and the assurance is we will be taken to him in judgment. Thank you for listening.